0: Well hello and welcome back to Kindled. I'm coming to you today with part two of my conversation with Marsha Montenegro on contemplative spirituality. So I got a ton of uh, really great feedback from last week's episode. Many of you were not familiar with some of the teachings in this movement and um, even some of you said you had Heard these things, or we're starting to see some of these authors and teachers popping up in your small group curriculum through your churches, and uh, so I'm really glad that you know it's kind of helping shed light on um, just how embedded a lot of these teaches teachings already are in our churches, and how slowly and yet slyly they can seep in. Um, this is, again, as I've mentioned before, what happened in our former church, and um, it just happens so slightly, so almost unnoticeably, it's it's almost imperceivable what is going on, because, um, as you'll hear me talk about with Marsha in a second you feel like the one who's out of the know you feel like the one who maybe could be in the wrong and you're probably just behind the times and there's just some newer and better teaching and often your leaders are just really pumping these things up and these names up and saying oh my gosh you're gonna love it it's really great we have so much to learn from this person or from these materials um dig deeper it's always couched in so many positive pursuits and positive and and well intentioned things that sound godly and sound biblical sound like something any christian should want and if you didn't like what's wrong with you you know and so you're really you're kind of stuck feeling like am i crazy i just no this doesn't sound right this isn't this does not line up with scripture this seems to go against it this seems to bring in so many things that i i find to be problematic in a biblical worldview um, and yet, if you don't realize that this is happening, kind of even broader than just in your own local church, you might really be led to believe that you're you kind of need to sit down and be quiet, and rather than you know respectfully but um, firmly persist in in showing evidence for why these teachings are wrong, why they do not belong inside biblical churches and and why they should be avoided so uh again i just hope that this episode is just one kind of drop in the bucket for you of confidence building and seeing that you're not the only one who's going through this and um and seeing that it is possible to you know bring these things to light and to evaluate them against scripture while of course not demonizing um those christians who might be pursuing the this type of knowledge and information but rather warning them out of love of the dangers that lie kind of within this whole field of of knowledge of contemplative spirituality so uh with that i will get into part two of my conversation with marcia montenegro i mean and that's that's what i keep seeing with this is like the this is this is literally uh, teachings like this could not have flourished the way they are today any sooner because you're they're they're reaching an audience of self-obsessed millennials self uh, self-consumed who are who have major FOMO like they just have major FOMO they're like anything i'm missing out on i want it a an yeah. experience i want that a good a good feeling i want that good vibes i need that I, I want that in my life and so they they all promise this they all like they all have created this product of you know, of this solitude silence. What what do we not have in this noisy, loud social media world? Granted, we don't have a lot of silence. I mean, my thoughts are always, you know, I, I can listen to the Bible. I can listen to a podcast. I don't even have to have silence when I shower. I can, I can always yes. be consuming information. I can yeah. just always be in the noise. And so I think people do desire you know, depth. They desire quiet. It's right. noisy in right. their minds. There's a lot of anxiety right. and depression. We've got so many weird things happening in the world. And so it's this perfect moment of, you know, of them offering this product of, you know, the thing that you can't quite grasp, except what what they're doing when they offer that is they are attaching it to Christianity and saying that it's biblical and scriptural. Um, and, and I I struggle to understand. I mean, I know it's it's really just the answer that I don't want it to be, which is they're false teachers. It's just frustrating that all of this stuff keeps getting trafficked into the church, and even trafficked throughout the church by those already in the church who are false teachers. That's the most frustrating thing: is that people like yeah. John Mark Comer, who you know were these wolves in sheep's clothing, really? Because I, I was listening to his podcast um, years ago with that he did with um, what's the the author that he did a co-hosted podcast with mark sayers um
1: oh, okay yeah mark that name sayers. rings the bell but i don't know that i've never really
0: yeah okay. um and what was it called podcast this cultural moment that's what it was people are probably like oh. this cultural moment so they did a podcast and mark sayers i've actually read some of his books on the church and he seems to be more solid than John Mark Comer and so i think that's you know i for for that reason i kind of was like oh this this is interesting they're talking about the church they're talking about christianity they're talking about you know discipleship and so i was int- intrigued um and i don't know if they're still connected in any way but it sure doesn't like he's sure diverted from from that john mark comer now with his his whole um, organization practicing the way i mean you go onto his website. The subtitle says a simple, beautiful way to integrate spiritual formation into your church or group. Yes, that's another
1: term, spiritual formation. We could
0: probably do a whole podcast episode on that alone (laughs) because that's another term that, again, I was introduced to through our old church that I didn't even realize. Again, it was like, when I hear that, having come out of a church that was teaching this, it is so bizarre for me to go back and study it and be learning about it from the outside because I'm like, I remember back when I first heard it, I thought, what's that? I've been in Mm -hmm. church my whole life and I've Mm -hmm. never heard that term. But again, what it serves to do when you're on the outside is it makes you feel a little bit like I must be, I must be the one who's missing information
1: exactly
0: I must not know oh yeah maybe that's how I'm supposed to grow here I I must not know that I need a spiritual director in my life yeah there's another term yeah grow and, and form into this mature Christian right that like it's biblical
1: exactly why
0: wouldn't you want a spiritual formation director for your church like
1: exactly yeah it sounds so biblical like like well what could be wrong with this
0: what could be wrong what 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 do you have to critique now like right
1: yeah why why are you always picking on everything you know and 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 the spiritual formation uh term is something yeah i was back in i was very concerned about like back in 20 i think 2008 2009 2010 because i was Mm -hmm. seeing it more and they were calling it discipleship now i do want to say there are a few people that use that term and what they mean by it really is discipleship okay they really mean just regular discipleship sure but usually that term is indicating it is connected to this whole i call it contemplative spirituality right that's kind of the umbrella term and under that umbrella comes contemplative prayer spiritual formation spiritual directors you know spiritual practices spiritual disciplines. Uh, Sometimes they'll say rhythms, you know, spiritual rhythms will get you. Which that
0: Ruth Haley Barton book, Sacred Rhythms, there's so much overlap, sacred Enneagram, sacred rhythms, spiritual rhythms.
1: And in fact, the Enneagram and the contemplative spirituality are very closely connected. Mm -hmm. And the the contemplative spirituality actually came into the church first before. and And two people I haven't mentioned who helped introduce it to evangelicals were uh, Dallas Willard and Richard Foster. Mm -hmm. And they are the two probably most crucial people. And then you have Ruth Haley Barton coming along later, but they were the two initial people uh, who introduced it, Richard Foster with his book, Celebration of Discipline. And at that time, I don't think anybody was aware of this contemplative stuff, Mm -hmm. but he and um, Dallas Willard both knew Thomas Keating. And at one time, Mm. when Thomas Keating was alive, their website, Dallas Willard and Richard Foster started an organization called Renovari. Mm -hmm. And Dallas Willard died uh, several years ago. Richard Foster is still alive. He still runs Renovari. But at one time, it was linked to Thomas Keating's contemplative outreach website. And I think that website still exists. That link isn't there anymore. But I know that I saw them at some point, all three together. Um, And I can't find it, you know, now, because it was several years ago. It may not even be online anymore. It may have been completely deleted or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know there was that link there. Now, Thomas Keating, here here are all these connections. This is what makes it so, such Mm -hmm. a complicated spider web. Um, Thomas Keating also was a very close friend of Richard Rourke and mm, Thomas Keating. Naturally. And Richard Rohr, naturally. Richard Rohr has referred to Thomas Keating and has said he learned a lot from Thomas Keating. And so Richard Rohr of course is a whole other story and really we could do a, a whole thing on him. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Richard Rohr just to let people know right off the bat he is in heretical in a very black and white way. This is mm-hmm. not a subjective opinion of mine. Right. He believes there's a distinction between Jesus and the Christ. He uh, thinks that the first incarnation of of Christ was creation. He doesn't believe Jesus died for sins. He -hmm. doesn't think sins separate us from God. He thinks we've always been in God and with God Mm -hmm. because he's a panentheist. So he thinks God is contained in creation. And he doesn't think Jesus died for sins. Um, and he doesn't think Jesus is coming back. So right there, you have Mm. several heresies. These are heresies. In other words, these are um, against essentials of the Christian faith, not secondary issues. These are essentials of the faith. You know, Jesus died for sins, core doctrines, core doctrines. He does not hold those doctrines. So uh, it's not a it's not wrong to call him a heretic. He is in right. all, all, all meanings of the word a perfect example of heresy. Yeah. And he and Thomas Keating were good friends. And that doesn't surprise me. And Gore's Center is Center for Action and Contemplation. And he says that contemplation, and by this he means these things we've been talking about, contemplation is unlearning. Mm, unlearning. Unlearning because he said we have to unlearn mm-hmm. because we have learned the wrong things yep. about jesus the wrong things about god the wrong things about
0: christianity
1: track. yeah he'll, yep. he'll usually say the western church especially mm-hmm. he'll say well the mystics in the eastern church kind of the mystics had it right eastern church kept some things right but the yep. western church went off track this and sounds so,
0: like like every progressive Christian author today that I've ever heard speak or give a talk, or this sounds like this could have come out of John Mark Comer's mouth too.
1: And yes, saying Jesus is Eastern. Tim Mackey has said this as well in the video. I heard this language about Jesus being Eastern. I heard it in a few videos. Well, in the sense that he came
0: from the middle East or in what sense?
1: I will see. They don't explain it, but the way, but the context of what they're talking about is this contemplative stuff,
0: right? So what, what the they're doing.
1: Does.
0: What they're doing is they're not saying Jesus probably had brown skin because he was born in the Middle East, right? Which, like, yeah, okay, no, yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's not what no, they're talking they're about. No, they're saying Jesus is Eastern to attach him to Eastern mysticism and spirituality yes, exactly. to legitimize their yes. false teachings that's yes that's what they're because
1: because eastern really you know makes me think of of of, of the far east like you know makes right. me think of, of china asia you know, yeah in, maybe india right you know that's that's what it makes me think of hindu buddhism I, I think partly what they're do- saying here is like what ward means he's talking about the eastern orthodox uh-huh. and mysticism yeah. and so they're saying jesus really kind of had they don't use this word but what it comes across as to me is jesus had this eastern mindset
0: oh okay. and so
1: see we're not we're in the west so mm-hmm. we're kind of we don't completely get it because our western mind is not you know f- f- be able is not able to really filter in all of this this real but eastern thing
0: this thinking is a false this is a false false dichotomy because jesus exactly. is neither eastern nor western jesus exactly. is christ and and the exactly. bible is is what we should be basing uh, anything we do in life on including how we practice our faith of christianity it, it's it's exactly. rooted in it's scripture not
1: west he's right not, he's, he was you know most technically he was jewish right he was he came uh as as a jew mm-hmm. as as prophesied he grew up with the Jewish teachings, going to synagogue. Mm-hmm. He went and spoke in synagogues. Mm-hmm. He interacted with the Jewish leaders and with Jews. I mean, mm-hmm. he did interact with some Gentiles, of course, mm-hmm. but he interacted mostly with Jews. He came He came to bring the kingdom to the Jews. So what you really have is if they had said, well, Jesus was Jewish, okay, yes, all right? And so it's helpful to understand the Jew, you know, if you want to say the Jewishness of the Old Testament, and I and you learn that through reading the Old Testament, yeah. you do you begin to see what that right. means, and you see what Jesus, right. you know, what Jesus was about by understanding that Jewish background and the Old Testament. For sure. But that doesn't have anything to do with him being Eastern, no. And so, they, and that gets that gets
0: put into context in the larger meta narrative of Scripture when you exactly. read the, all of Scripture, and then you see you know, Paul saying there for now, there is neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free. And then you're like, Oh, so that matters a lot. Now I get the weight, the weightiness of that truth. Once I realized the historical context that Jesus was born into and how that was everything there was Jew and Greek, and there was a stark division and you couldn't even walk on the same side of the street. So, you know, to to understand the historical is very important in that context yes it's not so we can you know go hebrew roots and recreate it or something or try and live jesus's life like no No. that we we live according to what the bible says which it it the the message of the gospel is that now we are one in christ and so now
1: we are one in christ exactly and i think it's in ephesians that talks about that wall was broken down yeah the dividing wall of hostility yeah. yeah, that was part of the message of Ephesians. It was written to the Jews and the Gentiles saying, you are one now in yep. the body of Christ. You are no longer, there's no division between mm-hmm. the Jew and the non-Jew as there right. was in the Old Testament that God used that for different purposes. But now that wall has been broken down. Yeah. Christ is what we are all one in Christ as believers in Christ. And so. Good, like you said, good to know the historical context, but Mm -hmm. that has been set aside as far as the church goes. And so we just were all one, whether we're Jewish or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever we are, non-Jewish. So, uh, but so this, so they don't talk about that. They talk about the Eastern, you know, Jesus being Eastern. And I, I recently did a Facebook post um, called Word Alert, I started. I've started doing this now. Once a word mm-hmm. alert, and I'll pick a word. Usually, I, I'm going with a lot of New Age words, but I did Eastern, mm. and I said this is a word to watch out for, depending on how it's being said, yeah. uh, you know, the context of it. And so I pointed out some of the things we just discussed about yeah. uh, thinking Jesus is Eastern or Christianity is originally Eastern or something like that. Yeah, and that's of course what what Richard Gour teaches. So you have his influence there behind the scenes. You have the three Trappist monks. You have Thomas Merton. You have uh, Richard Foster and Dallas Willard. You have all of that, that kind of all kind of seeped into the church. Then you have people picking up on it like Ruth Haley Barton and John Mark Comer and other people. And I'm afraid possibly now Tim Mackey. And so you've got this and you have people who are hearing these things and like you pointed out how appealing it sounds yeah. and if people do you know they do feel they they are missing out on something deeper or a closer connection with god then and this is a way to get it and this is what oh this is what the old people christians did in the olden times or the ancient mm-hmm. times you know mm-hmm. and so maybe we need to look at this yeah And there you go you have the door open.
0: Right. And I think, I think that it is, it has a particular appeal, you know, um, I said earlier, this couldn't have flourished in any other generation. I'm sure it could have, but I think there is a particular appeal to people, uh, young people, particularly, I see this a lot in, in, I would say the millennial and younger, um, because, and they're also the ones very much, you know, uh, being swept up in the, in the new age, the occult, um, yes. and, yeah. and so there's a lot of, you know, like, as you, as you explain, this is a network of beliefs. It is not really one rigidly mm. and strictly held cohesive worldview where you could say, here's my doctrines. Here's my statement of faith. Right. It is, it is right. a labyrinth and it is wide and deep and dark. And so you can go as far and as deep into it as you would like. And where you end up at the end of that road is the demonic is death, um, but up here at the at the surface level, you've got all kinds of kind of practices and ideas and teachings that sound really positive, really light-filled, really helpful, very, um, you know, something you could kind of tie into your faith, a, a new, um, uh, you know, an additional practice that will deepen, like you've said, deepen your walk yeah. with Christ. Know Jesus. Do you really know him? Again, like all these points of, Perhaps even insecurity in Christians' minds of like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I don't really know Christ and I yeah. want to. And so how yeah. do I do that? Let me yeah. go to John Mark Comer's site, practicingtheway.org. Um, not really, please don't, or do just for your own research. But you know, when I, I was scrolling down on his website, and here's the practices that he that he recommends, and I'm sure you've seen this. Um, he's got five categories of practices that he's releasing resources on right now. And he's already released the first one. This is the order that he releases them in. Mm-hmm. Sabbath, prayer, mm-hmm. fasting, solitude. Anyone want to guess what number five is? The last one? Is it silence? Scripture. Oh. oh. Naturally, right? Like scripture, last one. Last Last number last, five. Lastly, we'll look at <laughs> We'll look at scripture. I just like, it's not funny, but it is sort of like, wow, how, how, how poetic you you've got, you've got your practices and the very last one you're going to be releasing Maybe these are all kind of equal in his, in his series, but it's coming, you know, prayer will come out January, 2023. Fasting is coming I'll in April. I have
1: to look now. at that again. I need to look at his website again.
0: He's probably updated it because this is yeah, looks like it's yeah, probably. right now, but scripture is coming yeah. soon. And that's the final one to be, and, and this is what he says. We are developing nine practices. Why nine?
1: Oh, nine.
0: Hmm. Huh. Oh, yeah. Nine <laughs> practices to help your church experience deep <laughs> transformation from the ground up. Each uh-huh. practice is four weeks long and includes teaching, guided conversations, and spiritual exercises, all designed to integrate the practice, this is capital P, the practice into yes. your ongoing life. Spiritual so now,
1: practices.
0: now you need John Mark Comer's four-week program in your life in order to not, it doesn't say anything about becoming a more faithful Christian. Christlike. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about, yeah, yeah. Becoming more like Christ. It's not, no, it's, it's about integrating the practice into your ongoing life. That's, that's very Eastern. I mean, thinking about yeah. like yoga yes. or meditation yes. and
1: yes, it very, is.
0: very Eastern and man, yeah. it's just sad to see how, how far, we fall when we unhinge ourselves from scripture, when we unhook ourselves from that, exactly. that anchor, we are, we, we are truly out to sea. And there is really no telling how far he goes with this
1: ministry, with his oh, teachings. He could, go, he could go forever with this. Forever. Once you open the door, to yeah. something like this and you can come up with all ways to structure it, which is what he's done here. Now he's got mm-hmm. these five things yeah. for weeks on each of them. And then he could go beyond that. He could come up either with maybe five more things, or he could come up with different levels in these four things. Oh, now there's three levels for each thing. And so we're going to do another two weeks on each level after we finish the first five things. I mean, you could, you know, being a former new ager, this is like what happens in the new age. You can come up with endless ways to do things because there's no Mm -hmm. limit. Cause there's not, there's no standard. You're not following any kind of absolute or any standard of truth. Therefore you can go anywhere with it. And I, it makes me wonder if the scripture thing is going to be Lectio Divina, mm,
0: but he yeah. may not
1: call, he may not call it that
0: he if I had to guess based on the way he's really releasing these materials it's going to be something of his own creation that you have to pay to receive and learn and
1: find out about yeah well
0: yeah it's just again it's like the more new processes we invent the more we have to sell the more we have to educate and teach and train and the more we are the expert in we are you know I'm not right. trying to say this is all about money. Um I I'm I'm but I'm also not saying that it's not somewhat about that. Like this is his probably trademarked, his personal stamp. It's got his name all over it. It's his website. Um and it's his weekly rhythm. He's got these four, you know, um concepts that he he's teaching on his website uh learn about a practice from the way of Jesus, practice with recommended spiritual exercises, reflect on your experience with God in your community, and then gather as a community for an interactive experience. Again, I think experience is in two of the four, but this is so centered on your experience. Yeah, it's
1: very experiential oriented. And he's doing it for churches, which means churches are going to buy into this and do it as a church. And that's where the money's at. And introduce it to the church. It's going Mm -hmm. to somehow be integrated into church as a program yeah. that the church will follow. Cause it sounds very much like he's speaking to a church churches and not just individuals coming to the website. And so I would think that that's probably at least one way mm-hmm. it's going to be packaged. And so then you have yeah. whole churches who are going to be getting this. It's not mm-hmm. just going to be people here and there, but whole churches, whole
0: churches yep. falling
1: under this kind of teaching. And,
0: Hundreds and, and thousands and really, of people at a time.
1: And yes, and people are going to trust their pastors. Yes, and think, okay, this is biblical. My pastor's mm-hmm. looked at it; he's doing it. A former pastor is 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 it's a former pastor's website, mm-hmm. and you know, I, and like we said, it's very deceptive because it can sound so good and so biblical. Yeah, and a lot of people have not really been grounded well in Scripture. The churches no. that go for this are not going to be churches that are. Are doing really sound hermeneutics with scripture. expository
0: preaching, right? Yes,
1: or don't, or else they don't believe in just sticking with the scripture. No, you know standards. They believe that you can go beyond it and do something more. And so, if that's if that's the thinking, then they're going to open the door to this. Yeah, and just that makes is, that it's just sad to see. Yeah. And I, when I saw him, that he had gone left that church to go for really promoting his practicing the way. I thought now it's going to spread even more. Yep. He was more limited as a pastor because he had to focus mm-hmm. on his church. Now he's got this whole mm-hmm. organization and he can just go out there to all yeah. churches all over. And that's the
0: impact he can have is so much greater if he's if he's spreading this message through existing churches rather than just at his own church. Yeah,
1: at his own church. Right. He's gonna he's gonna yeah. have entrance to a lot of churches. And so that's gonna give him more influence. Then you have, you know, uh, other influences coming from Ruth Haley Barton um, and the spiritual formation programs that have been in, put in place mm-hmm. by Dallas Willard in seminaries. Uh, and I've heard from people who are in those programs. And so, uh, you know, and who are not happy yeah. at all. Right. Some Having- of them have actually left the seminary that does it because they yeah. they they don't agree with it. Are you looking for a historically tried and true
0: way to teach your children foundational truths from God's Word? Then get started catechizing them today. Catechizing encourages not only children, but also adults to gain a helpful, systematic understanding of what the Bible teaches. The the basics and commandment catechisms from alongside them are based off the Children's Shorter Catechism. These are written with simple and short answers that are easy for your little ones to repeat and remember. A scripture reference is included on each page to dig deeper into God's word together. These are durable flip books with modern designs. Multiple ages can learn together from toddlers to parents, and they can easily be integrated into your Bible time, family worship, or morning basket. I talk about this all the time on Instagram, how we need to be teaching our children truths, simple truths they can remember and understand and recall to mind. I was catechized as a kid, and I still remember the questions and answers that my dad went through with us. And I treasure the fact that those are ingrained in me. And it's so important to me to do the same with my kids. Go to their website at comealongsidethem.com and be sure to use the discount code kindled5 That's Kindled, the number five, for $5 off your order. Again, check out the basics and commandment catechisms at comealongsidethem.com and use the discount code Kindled5 for $5 off. And having come out of a church that, you know, if it still existed, it's it's around, but a lot of the leadership has left. They've since kind of had their own implosion um, as a result of, you know, really bad teachings. Um if that if that church still existed today in the way that it did, they would have bought into this. They for sure would have they would have been one who said because what they would do is every I would say every semester it was kind of like, you know, when you're in in college and at the beginning of the semester your professor is like, "All right, so here's going to be our focus for this for the fall or here's our focus for yeah. the spring. This is what we're yeah. going to learn. This is the goal." Every semester at least once a year sometimes twice a year there would be a renewed focus a renewed they would come to us they would gather everyone at a member meeting and they would say okay there's this there's this new focus that we have as leaders we've read a book and we're going to have you guys all read it with us or we're going to do a teaching at a member meeting of um, these four quadrants of the heart and the, the mind and above the line and below the line. I mean, I'm regurgitating some of the stuff I remember. I don't remember all of it, but there was always this new, this, this a a launching of greater depth, greater insight that you felt like you kind of had to hang on to find out where you were going to end up and see what they were going to help you learn and and teach you. And you were going to benefit, but you never really knew where it was going to go. And Mm -hmm. then no matter where you ended up, From that, there would always be more next year. Something else. There's something new, and and I remember one of our, you know, one of the friends that we went to church with said after one of these meetings, he was like, "I'm just kind of tired of like how they keep introducing. There's always some new teaching. I'm just kind of, I'm exhausted. (laughs) Like, why can't we just stick to what the Bible says? Can't we just learn Scripture for ourselves? Can you teach us how to study God's Word ourselves and mine it for truth?" Yeah, no, because then you don't need us. Right. Then and right. I'm not saying as Christians, if we learn the Bible, we don't need the church. We need the church, but we don't need the quote unquote spiritual formation director's insight if we have the inerrant and infallible word of God that cannot be added to, right? Because exactly. Because how do you top that? Yeah. Like, yeah. How do you how do you top uh directly inspired by God? You know, the Holy Spirit inspired men um, a couple thousand years ago to write this book, which is which is inerrant and, and infallible and perfect and authoritative, and it it can't be added to, it can't be taken away from. How do you profit off of that? Like, how do you create a organization that's going to go in and what are you going to do that's new and different? You know what I mean? Like, I I just don't. It, the only way they could be successful is by discrediting and kind of uh, minimizing the, what you can find in scripture and what it can do for you. It it can do it's, it's maybe the the place we can learn about Jesus. But then from there, we launch off to, to figure out right. what does our weekly rhythm need to look like? You
1: right. know, what is our journey? What, how do we journey from there? What's a, what's yeah. going to be on our journey that we can do. And you, what you just said reminded me, you just said it like uh, uh, 10 seconds ago. The other thing I have found about the contemplative movement, aside from the fact they misuse scripture, is that they always undermine it. They undermine the mind and they undermine scripture. Now they don't do it directly, it's very indirect. Um, But I saw that a lot in uh, these two books by Ruth Haley Barton and pointed it out in my article where she does this. They undermine scripture because they'll say things like, you know, the words, words can't always contain everything. Words can't always contain truth. Uh, you know, you have to go beyond words. That's why they talk about the silence. And in fact, Thomas Keating said silence was God's first language. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I first came across that, I thought about, it and I thought, well, wait a minute. First of all, how does he know that? <laughs> secondly what does that mean that's that doesn't make any sense silence yeah. was god's first language what god doesn't really even have a language god just is god and he knows everything and he can communicate yeah with us and how
0: do you know just because the bible doesn't talk about what happened before the world began doesn't mean things didn't happen
1: like it doesn't, it doesn't like we, mean we don't know there was Simon because there was a trinity yeah, and so, well, how did they commit? Well, we don't know because we're not God. There is a yeah. certain point where we just don't know. We don't, we don't and, and we
0: must not need to know
1: about God, and we yeah. don't need to know, but we do know that He created everything, and then, he, and it says right there in Genesis one, you know, that God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. So, mm-hmm. what do you have at the very beginning of the Bible? Is God speaking? Yeah, you know how did exactly. he speak? Well, we don't, we don't know. We don't know exactly what the words were, but he said, let there be, well, we do know. He said, let there be light. Right. Um, there wasn't anybody around to hear it except, you know, the Trinity. And I'm, um, I don't think, I don't know, that gets too complicated for me. Where the angel, I don't think the angels, I don't know if the angels were there for creation or not. I've got, because I think if there's a verse says the angels sang at creation or something, but that mm-hmm. could mean they sang right at the beginning. But anyway, whether the angels were there or not, Mm -hmm. No man wasn't there to hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it's the very first thing in the scripture is God speaking, let there be light. And he's talking about silence being God's first language. That's a way to promote silence. Mm -hmm. And then they also kind of downgrade the mind because they'll talk about your mind. You're thinking too much. You know, your mind is too busy. Mm -hmm. Um, This is how Buddhist uh, meditation is promoted. It's called monkey chatter. Uh, your mind is like monkey chatter. There's all this monkey chatter in your mind. They call it the monkey mind. Um, and so mm. they may not use that term, but they'll talk about how your your uh, mind is too busy. This was actually promoted in a video that came out. I think it came out in 2005. It was called Be Still. And guess who put it out? Richard Foster and Dallas Ward. And I watched that video and a friend of mine transcribed it for me. And I wrote an article, which is on my website called the Be Still DVD. And so it was a DVD that came out around that around that time. And it basically was contemplative practices for evangelicals. Hmm. That is basically what it was. They were selling all this stuff from Thomas Keating and the Trappist monks and Thomas Merton. And they were putting it in a format that would appeal to evangelicals. So it didn't sound mystical or Catholic, because before that, it was more in the Catholic church. So um, that's what that that's what that DVD was all about. And it's done very, very well in that they'll show people rushing around, you know, like the, the man's grabbing his briefcase to mm-hmm. run off and catch the bus the mother is busy packing her kids lunches or something mm-hmm. like that and then they'll show this little lake and it's real peaceful and you can hear the birds singing and they'll say oh you know don't you need a break from your you rushing around your thoughts you're exhausted from all the things you have to think about and do and you you just need this peace and quiet and then they bring in these practices to mm-hmm. do to get quiet and they have different commentators on the video including seminary professors um at least a couple of them i think talking in ways that sell this idea yeah it's really a good example of how this is sold how it's marketed and i think they did that in that dvd i think it's like
0: we're, we're talking around the issue, but we should probably just come out and, and, and address why that's problematic. Why do we not want to just merely be still and open our mind and connect with some higher oneness with God? what's the risk? like what's the big deal? If they're encouraging people to in, pursue solitude and silence, why are you what what are you worried about? And I think yeah, for, I at least her. from my perspective, it would be um, because the spiritual world is real because yes. I, I don't think it's a nothing. I don't, yeah. it's not because <laughs> I think they're leading me to nothing. It's because they're leading me right. to something. Right. That's the problem. Right. And so it's exactly. the reality is that the spiritual world is real and we are battling yeah. as Ephesians six says, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of this present evil age and this present darkness that is present in the world. And so the the spiritual forces that are at play when you, Pursue something that is unbiblical, like a, like, like a life of solitude that, you know, scripture doesn't call us to do that or to pursue a life of silence. There's nothing that's not, no, that's not a biblical not, practice at all. That's not in If you think that that's somehow the key to unlocking the next level of your relationship with God, and I'm not saying never be silent or never get alone. That's not, I, right, I'm a mom right. of three. I need both of those things in my life right, to some right. degree but it's not a it's I, I don't elevate it to this level of a, a spiritual pursuit or practice where um it is part of how i grow into the image of well they don't even say that it's no. it's not part of my spiritual journey i should yes. say yes. um uh, it's rather just the fact that like, you know, I need sleep. So in, in the same way, my mm-hmm. body needs sleep. Sometimes I need a break from the talking, you know, it's, right. it's exactly. much more practical it's, it, and even flesh-based because really yeah. I don't actually need a break from the talking. I, I could live without it, but I prefer it, you know, once in a while. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that's the concern is like, you're leading people into a spiritual, uh, to be discipled by spiritual forces that are not of God, right?
1: Yeah, it's Lee. It's that, and that's a good point. Yeah. So, what is the problem with this? Why is it wrong? And I agree with you. Um, it's fine if you need quiet. You know, it's fine if you if you just need to sit still somewhere, just to rest or whatever. And you can do that and pray. Yeah. And that's not what you know. That's not what we're warning about here. No. Um, because, and a lot of people also get confused when um, I talk about silence or something, and they'll say. Oh, but I like to read my Bible and pray silently. Uh, I like to have quiet, or they'll call it quiet time, which yeah. is you know a common phrase in the church. Uh-huh. And they'll think that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I want to no. make it clear, I'm not talking about quiet time because no. you're still you're still reading scripture and or praying, and you're praying verbally. Mm-hmm. You right. can be silent and pray verbally. Verbally just means using words. Right, right. Because the contemplative thing is the idea often of going beyond words. And yeah. so, yeah, that's all fine. So we're not talking about that, but you're right. right. It's not because there's nothing there. It's because you are doing something for a spiritual purpose, but it's not based on scripture. And no. it's these techniques that can open you up to a spirituality or an experience that is not from God. And it's either pr- being produced by your own mind and desire to experience something or it's coming from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But we're not told to pursue experiences, right? You know, we're told to pursue the Lord, seek first, you know, the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added unto you. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we do that? We do that through Christ. We do that through the practices, if you want to call them that, that we see in the New Testament, in the letters to the churches, you know, being patient with each other, um, how the church is to operate what the purpose of the church, the ministry of the church, Mm -hmm. we're all part of the church, and how do you grow individually? And that's all in script. We're given that because God's word is sufficient. Mm -hmm. And all of these teachings are based on the idea, although they would never say this, that God's word is not sufficient. Exactly. Because these things would not exist. And it doesn't mean you can't have teachings, you know, outside of the Bible that aren't helpful. You can have you know, I've read books on, on how to study the Bible or how to look at the Bible in its different genres. You know, mm-hmm. the literary genre, the historical genre, the you know the um, apocryphal things like Revelation. You can mm-hmm. understand, you can read that and benefit. There are things that are extra biblical that are beneficial, mm-hmm. but when they start talking about how this is a transformation process, and you use these techniques and methods, mm-hmm. and you can't find those based on Scripture then you're kind of you cross in my opinion cross the line into another area mm-hmm. that is that is going to actually thwart your growth in Christ it's going to actually right. hinder it eventually because you're going to go into an artificial spirituality exactly
0: yeah that's that's perfect perfectly put um man i there's so much we could talk about i could go on forever but i know, I know. we've <laughs> we've been at this for a while so i'll wrap it up um you know i i think as, as we entered into this, we didn't, the funny thing is, you know, God always has different plans. I I had a plan to talk to you about perennialism. So I'll have to be back for that one. I was Um, thinking
1: that we'll have to do that on another program. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we will. But I, I think this was good because we really covered all of, I mean, not all, but we covered a good breadth of topics under this contemplative spirituality umbrella. And I think the key, um, you know, from my perspective, and I'd like to hear your final thoughts, but the key is we've got to understand that this is, this is an ever widening and expanding and changing, shifting, um, network of beliefs. And, and these things are presenting themselves as Christian, as biblical, they are, uh, being labeled. Christian meditative exercises, things that always sound helpful. And so we just more than ever really need to be on guard um, and and take everything to the word of God and evaluate it, hold it up against what scripture says. And, and another thing I, I'm taking away from this is that it is critical to be in a sound, doctrinally sound church that is yes. expositing God's word and teaching you how to study it for yourself. If you're not yes. in one you've got to get in one. You've got to find exactly. a community of believers or start one that that is going to shepherd you in, in scripture because without that knowledge, you're going to probably be taken captive quite easily by one of these teachings because they sound really good to the Christian yes. who might
1: not know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's very hard. That's why it's very hard to criticize it because yeah. it sounds like you're criticizing something that's biblical or, you know, mm-hmm. something that's about Christ or be, being a good Christian or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and so people are like, what, you know, what's your problem? Why are you picking on yes. this thing? And so it's very hard to, to be a critic of it. And especially if it's happening in your church. Yeah. Um. And so that's one of the big problems, but Like you said, we are called to examine things by scripture and we have to stand on truth, you know, stand firm in the faith. That's a phrase in a few places in scripture in the new Mm -hmm. Testament, Mm -hmm. stand firm in the faith. That means you take your stand on truth as God has revealed to you and anything that, that is, that is against that, or is that is tearing Mm -hmm. it down in some way needs to be rejected. Yeah. So you know, I prayer and, and just to say something I meant to say much earlier, prayer is always in the Bible. It's always verbal. It's always expressed in words. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus himself, as you mentioned earlier, said the disciples asked him, how do we pray? And he said, pray like this. He basically gave a template for prayer. There, you don't have you can say those words, of course, and sometimes I do, but you it's basically a kind of a template for prayer, Mm -hmm. and so that's how we're told how to pray, we don't need to wonder about it, it's Mm -hmm. not a mystery,
0: yeah.
1: But people are looking for these other things, like you said, these esoteric things, and because they can be disguised as so helpful and as so Christian and biblical, Mm
0: -hmm. yeah, they're
1: deceptive. That's the deception.
0: Yes. Yeah, I love. I actually had it pulled up earlier on my um, browser, Galatians 5. one. That's what you were just referencing. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And yes. that's why we're talking about this. Because exactly. really, all of these alternate uh, routes and methods and pursuits and exercises all of these, when they're unhinged and when they are really just um, isolated and 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 disconnected from Scripture, they are not going to lead to freedom or right. spiritual depth. Yeah. They are going to lead to slavery. Right. You are going to right. find yourself thinking, "Oh, I I'm not feeling close to God. I guess I probably I didn't get enough solitude this week. Oh, yes. I didn't practice yeah. silence. Oh, yeah. I haven't been yeah. fasting. Oh man, I've got to fast more because that's how I I'm not practicing the way I uh, I've got to climb that mountain to God, you know, again, it's just, this is not what scripture teaches. No, this is a a false, um, a false framework for closeness with, with God or spiritual oneness with whatever they claim you're going to have. Um, you might have that thing, but it's not going to be a a relationship with the one true God. You know, you might, you might have a a better practice of the way, but really actually in the end, you're just going to be a slave. And yeah, you're going you're gonna to be a definitely. slave to sin, not a slave to Christ. And so, yeah. um, you know, uh, the, when you just said that about prayer, I, it jogged my memory. The last thing I'm afraid to ask you, cause I think you'll probably have something to say about it. And I need, I need to have you back if you do.
1: Okay.
0: Do you know anything about, um, a praying life by Paul Miller?
1: No, I don't. Although his okay. name is ringing a bell.
0: Well, that one might be something for you to look into next and come back to me when you've, when you become the expert on that, because, um, that was a book that our church at the time that we were, that they were teaching, um, the John Mark Comer materials in our small groups and such, um, before it was practicing the way, but it was, it was more of the, the Dallas Willard. I know that the staff was reading one of his books. Oh, it's what's his book called? The one about, um.
1: Yeah, his spirit of the disciplines. Yeah, he's like written. That. He wrote several. He wrote several books. Okay, now. that's the book I tried to read. I read uh, up to a certain point, and I okay. couldn't. That was another heavy book. Um, that one by Dallas Willard, and I just, I just, I couldn't see what he was saying was not. He would quote something from Paul, and he, uh-huh. then he would say what that was about, and I was like, no, but that's not what it's about. And then yeah. I felt like, well, people are going to think. They're going to say to me, he was so learned and had all these degrees. He was a philosopher. You know, I thought, you know, people are yeah. going to say, well, Marsha, you're not, you know, you don't understand it because, you know, you don't, you don't get the, the, you're not at the level, you know, yeah. that he is. And how can you pr- criticize it till you understand it better? I don't know. So it was very hard. And at that time he was still alive. Um, yeah. He's so I, re- highly respected that it was you basically couldn't say anything negative about him.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have to research and find what it was. I, that I don't game rings a
1: bell though. So I think I may have looked at something, not yeah. read anything by him, but I may have gone and sometimes I'll research someone. And if yeah. I don't write about it, it I, I may forget it. Like I'll forget. And yeah. when I go back, I'll think, oh, wait, yeah, I did look at this. Yeah, but, you know, either I didn't have the time maybe, or I was, you know, pursuing other things, or I didn't know how influential that book was.
0: Well, I don't know if it is influential or if it's yeah. fringe, um, but we, I did read it in a small group setting through our church. It was like one of our recommended resources at the time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and this is the, it, this is the uh, subtitle connecting with God in a distracting world. And then mm-hmm. it says a praying life develops the premise that the goal is a praying life rather than concentrated disciplined moments of communion with God at certain intervals and I don't yes. know I, I I'm not sure I don't remember it enough to know but I was curious because we've been talking about contemplative prayer and you know if our if our church was both teaching us John Mark Comer small group and saying here's a great book on prayer prayer I'm kind of like wait a minute what, what was that exactly that yeah they yeah. were teaching us so I'll uh, have anyway. to check
1: that out and check him out um, yeah and I'll let you know and okay. we can and then we maybe we can discuss. We can also do perennialism. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, I always appreciate having you on. Uh, <laughs> your wealth of wisdom. You have so much to share, and uh, appreciate all the research you do. I know that, like, Thanks. like you, you've shared. It's, it's a heavy world to dig into, and so I know that's yeah. that's a lot, and that's challenging. But so many are benefiting from your research. So thank I hope, you. I hope you're also finding time to be replenished and and not <laughs> you know not only having to read that deep dark you know, lies all the time.
1: (laughs) No, I do. I do. I have books that I read that are edifying. Yeah. I try to read at the same time that I'm doing other books so that Mm -hmm. I can get, you know, I know of course scripture, but you know, you want edifying literature that's building you up as well.
0: So yeah, I
1: do that too. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's great. Good to hear. Well, thanks again, Marsha. And where can people find you online?
1: Okay, uh, ChristianAnswersForTheNewAge.org is my Mm -hmm. website, and then I have a Facebook ministry page also called Christian Answers for the New Age that you can like and follow, Um, and I post things there quite frequently Mm -hmm. having to do with the New Age, with uh, the occult, and with areas of things like this contemplative stuff that I see getting into the church, that have elements that overlap with the new age such as the eastern meditation uh, you know methods that have been included in it so areas that that interconnect with new age and occult i also address those okay so i have posts and i've recently have had a lot of posts on this very topic so there's there's a lot there if you scroll down the christian answers for the new age page awesome um, they- Yeah.
0: Yeah. Your Facebook page is, is very active, really helpful. So definitely encourage people to check that out. I'll link it in the show notes so people can find it easily.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much, Haley. Thanks for having me on to discuss this. Thanks, Marsha. Thank you guys so much for listening today. I pray that this
0: episode has been helpful and encouraging and informative. Uh, please feel free to reach out if you have any questions. You can find Marsha at her website, christiananswersforthenewage.org. And you can find me at my website, kindledpodcast.com or on Instagram at haley.kindled. Have a great rest of your week and I'll see you next time back here on Kindle Podcast.